God is good. Isn't God good? Amen. Carlos, um, you know, the week of miracle happens. Uh, we took a break from the series we're doing on the Beatitudes. And, of course, last Sunday, uh, Carlos and uh, Tom stood in uh, and did an awesome job. And so uh, I printed up a sheet to summarize the three sermons that I had preached on the Beatitudes so far. And I've asked Carlos if he would just quickly pass them out and maybe um, um, Alex, don't go. Uh, Would you take half of those and give some out on this side uh, to this half of the church? And um, you know this series on the Beatitude, I really believe this is really important. I really do. Uh, We were in early morning prayer meeting and God started to speak to me about one beatitude in particular, and it's the one that I was going to preach this morning. Um, But as I kept praying over the next few days, God started to really open up the beatitudes in general. And uh, all I I do want to say is this. The beatitudes, and it's written on your notes there, the beatitudes are a series of blessings that Jesus declared on people who manifested particular attitudes that are in sync with the attitudes and the lifestyles of the kingdom of God. Everyone, church, look at me for a second. We don't go to church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And we start our Christian walk at the finish line. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, it's finished, that's exactly where we start. Have you ever run a marathon? I haven't, but life's a bit of a marathon, okay? Life's a bit of a marathon. But when we come to Jesus Christ, we start at the finish line of the marathon, and we've already won. And everything I could not achieve through my own strength, everything that I would fail out, fail at, all of my mistakes, he accomplished on the cross. And he ran that marathon and gave up his life so that we can say, I've arrived at the finish line. We come to the cross as sinners, and once we accept Jesus Christ in our heart, We're saved, and we're sons. And we continue from there as sons of God. Can I get an agreement? At the finish line, when Jesus said it's finished, he really meant it's finished. Everything's done. Everything's done. By his stripes you were healed. Why? At the finish line. At the finish line, he paid the price to break the curse that has come over the world. He who knew no sin became sin. Why? So that we could take on the righteousness of God. Do you know in the Old Testament, God reveals himself through nine compound names of Jehovah. Jehovah is the Yahweh, one of God's main names. 
And Yahweh's broken down into nine compound names, nine things that reflect who Yahweh, Jehovah, is. So they're called compound. It's a compound of two things, Yahweh and one of his characteristics. One of his names is Jehovah Makedesh. And what it means is, the Lord, my righteousness. The Lord, my righteousness. In the Old Testament, God revealed himself as the Lord who is your righteousness. When we come to the cross and we accept Jesus, Jehovah Makedesh comes over us and in us. And the righteousness that is in God's nature covers us and we become his righteousness. Jesus who knew no sin, he became the sin that I was. How many of you had sin? How many of you, when you asked for forgiveness of a sin, found that you sinned again? Jesus became the sin that I was so that I could become the righteousness that God is. Amen. Absolutely. And so the Beatitudes are a series of attitudes that are in sync with God's heart, with kingdom lifestyle. And the Beatitudes are blessings that Jesus speaks. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. All right? So I want you to take these notes and just refresh your memory a little bit on what we've gone over in the last few weeks. And uh, we're going to look at, very quickly, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Now, Holy Spirit, I've totally been thrown today in a good way. But you already knew this. Give me wisdom, anoint me, and show me how far to go and when to stop. We sing, when you move, I move, and when you stop, I stop. So be it in Jesus' name. Lead us today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Matthew 5, verse 6, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The word hunger there is the Greek word paneo. Paneo. Sometimes when I get hungry, I go to panera. <laughs> this is paneo. To be hungry, to be needy, to desire earnestly to famish. Absolutely or comparatively, figuratively, to crave. To be hungry, metaphorically, to crave ardently. Then the word to thirst is dipseo, and it also means to desire earnestly. Now remember, beatitudes are attitudes that are going to command God's favor and blessing on us. So Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst who have a deep passion for righteousness. For they will be filled. Righteousness. Blessed are they that are hungry, 
famished, desirous for righteousness, for they will be filled. I said that righteousness, we start at the finish line. I was a sinner. I came to the cross, and Jehovah Makedesh was on the cross in the form of a man. He became a son to mirror image a father-son relationship for us so that he could redeem fallen man from the failure of the first Adam and bring him into the fullness of the last Adam. Okay? And when we ask Jesus on, into our hearts, we effectively allow him to put us on the cross so that we die with Christ. And the sin nature in me gets crucified. And the, the righteous nature of God gets resurrected inside of us. It's powerful. Three things happen at the cross. And I know I got the musicians still up here. And guys, I haven't forgotten. Just work with me for a moment. Three things happen at the cross. Number one, my sins are forgiven. Most Christians understand this. I say most because some don't. They still battle with always feeling condemned and guilty. And, but most Christians understand this. At the cross, my sins are forgiven. What do I mean by that? I had a rap sheet. You had a rap sheet. We had a criminal record of everything we've ever done wrong. And it was washed clean by the blood of Jesus. My rap sheet says innocent. There's no record of any of my mistakes or any of my sins. That's a pretty good thing, isn't it? David says, God, if you kept the record of our sins, how could we ever come into your presence? Okay? The blood of Jesus washes away my sins. My rap sheet's gone. My record's gone. It's clean. The second thing that happens at the cross is that we're given a position of righteousness. When God sees me, he makes me a son, and he says, you're righteous. He seats me in heavenly places. I have a position of righteousness. Paul says, therefore, if we... Uh, anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. Therefore, we will regard no man from the natural perspective, but we will see them as a new creation in God. When God looks at you, if you've asked Jesus into your heart, righteousness is credited to you. It's put into your account. In fact, the rap sheet now says righteous. The righteousness of God. It's put into your bank balance. It's put into your account. And we're given a position of righteousness and God chooses to see us as his righteous sons. And guess what? If I stumble and today I make a stupid decision and I sin and I, I repent and I say, God, I'm so sorry. I haven't lost my position. I've been given a position of righteousness. My sins are forgiven. The position stays intact. I am the righteous son of God. Everyone say, I am, I am. A, righteous son of God. a righteous son of God. 
not by my effort, but by God's effort. Remember I said that in the Old Testament, one of the compound names of God is Jehovah Makedesh, and it literally means Jehovah my righteousness. It only dawned on me uh, in the wee hours of the morning here the Hebrew people knew God as the God who was their righteousness, and yet they spent their whole lives trying to fulfill the law so that they would become righteous. The Bible tells us that the purpose of the law is to show us we're sinners. We can't live righteously in our own strength. But when we come to the cross and we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he washes our rap sheet, our criminal record, and he washes away our sin. If there is no evidence of sin, what are you? You're righteous. And then he positions you as a son and says, now I give you a position of righteousness and I will see you and treat you and refer to you as righteous. The first Adam sinned and he lost his position. But because we are born into Jesus Christ, when I make a mistake, Jesus holds the title as the last Adam. There'll never be need for another. He's the title holder. And we retain the position of righteousness. I have a position. God won't look at me based on my faults. He will look at me as a new creation a righteous son of God. Wow. I think he deserves a clap for that. Amen. So most people understand number one. Some people understand number two. I don't try to perform for God to accept me. I have been given a position of righteousness. I come into his presence not awkward, not uncomfortable, not feeling dirty. My rap sheet is washed. He's written on there, this is a righteous son. And I've got this position and I could walk into his presence and know that he'll love me, he'll not frown on me, he'll smile on me. Even when I do wrong, I don't lose sonship. When I fail, when I act less than what I can do. I don't lose sonship. I don't lose my position. I am a righteous son of God. How many of you understand that? Amen. Now, can I show you something? Yeah, give him a clap again. Go on. I want to show you something. There's a third thing that happens at the cross, and most Christians don't get this. Some get number two. Most Christians don't understand number three. Number three we're given the power of righteousness. We're given the power. What's God's name? One of his compound names? Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord who is my righteousness. If when I come to Jesus as a sinner, he who knew no sin becomes the sin of Rob Scarallo and is crucified on the cross. My sins are paid for through Jesus. And the, we become the righteousness of God by faith 
through Jesus Christ. You don't become the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You become the righteousness of God. Why? God's name. All through the Old Testament, while he's giving them the law, and he's saying, go on, try to do it. Go on, try to do it. You got to be holy like I'm holy. Come on, try to live up to the standard. They try, 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 and they couldn't until finally the purpose of the law was so that humanity would say, oh, wretched man that I am, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I end up doing. The law is beautiful. I want to do this, but I can't. I need a Savior who's going to save me. We come to that place and we say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Save me. And God, Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord who is my righteousness, wraps us up in himself. Jesus said, Father, that they might know that I am in you and you are in me, that they might be in me and in you. So at the cross, not only do we get our, our rap sheet is washed clean, not only do we get a position of sonship, I am righteous by position, and whether, however I perform on a day-to-day basis, it doesn't change the fact that he will look at me as a righteous son. But not only that, he now gives me the power of the righteous nature that is in him. You see, most Christians believe that we are still bound by sin. Oh, that sinful nature bound to sin. And yet in Romans, Paul says, once you were slaves to sin, but now you are slaves to righteousness through Jesus Christ. The prophet in the Old Testament, Ezekiel, prophesies that I, he says on God's behalf, he says, God says through him, I will give them a new heart, a new nature. The heart in the Greek is cardia, and in the Hebrew, it is um, lebe, and it, it is the mind of the intellect the mind of the emotions and the will. It's the heart, the soul of man that fell and became corrupt in the Garden of Eden. And God says, I will give them a new heart. I'm going to heal their soul. I'm going to give them a new nature. Instead of being sin prone, I'm going to give them my nature. Jehovah Makedesh gives us his nature. And most Christians still think they're bound by our sinful nature and struggle with sin because they haven't understood the revelation. Yes, number one, my sins are washed, the rap sheet's clean. Number two, I have a position of righteousness. I receive the righteousness of God by faith in Jesus Christ. But the righteousness of God is Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord who is my righteousness. If I take on Jehovah and he becomes the Lord who is my righteousness, is the righteousness of God only a position or does God walk in the power of righteousness as well? 
Of course he walks in the power of it. And so when we step into Christ, we step into the Father, and I have both position, and it gives me the right to stand in the heavens. It gives me the right to be seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. It gives me the right to come to the gates of hell and say, back off in Jesus' name. Stop touching my family in Jesus' name. I come in the name of the Son of God, and I am washed in the blood of Jesus, and I am a co-heir with Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. That's what the position of righteousness does. But on a day-to-day basis, not only do I have the position, I have received Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord who becomes my righteousness. I have the position and the power of a new nature, his nature living inside of me. Yeah, you know, and I don't take credit. I say, yeah, because God started to show me this last night, and I got so excited. All through the Old Testament, they knew him as Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord my righteousness. I've taught it many times and never thought, whoa, if I've become the righteousness of God, not the righteousness of Jesus, the righteousness of God, by faith through Jesus, I've taken on Jehovah Makedesh. I have the position of his righteousness. But theologically, it's correct. I have the power of his righteousness living inside of me. Can I be very honest with you today? I sin sometimes. You already knew that. But I sin because I want to, not because I have to. And if every one of us are honest with ourselves and we take accountability, now that we are born again in Christ, when we sin, we chose to. We say, oh, I couldn't help it. That's a lie. And the sooner we stop lying, the sooner we will step out of deception and step into revelation. I'm not bound by sin. Paul says, once you were slaves to sin and you offered your members of your body as slaves to sin, but now you are slaves to righteousness, so offer the members of your body as slaves unto righteousness. If the first Adam, who was a uh, life-giving being, could impute or impute a sin nature into us, how much more the last Adam, 
whose life-giving spirit can impute the righteous nature of God to us. If the first Adam, who was a man, just flesh, could put a sinish soul in us, how much more the last Adam, the Son of God, can put a righteous soul inside of us. Come on, somebody get happy. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And so I want you to understand, yes, your sins are forgiven. Yay, I'm going to heaven. My sins are forgiven. Number two, yay, 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 I have a position of righteousness. I come into his presence, and he sees Jesus. I have a position. I fumble. I make a mistake. I repent. I haven't lost my position. Yay, 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 I have the power that goes with that position, I have a new nature, a new heart. He says, in I, in, through Ezekiel the prophet, he said, I will put a new spirit in them, the Holy Spirit, and I will give them a new heart, and my laws will be written in their heart. The nature of God's righteousness has come inside of us. So don't give the devil help and say, well, I couldn't help it. When we say that, we're shaking hands with him. We're hiding behind him. And we're saying, you're bigger than point number three. And he's not. And the sooner we take accountability and say, you know what, I did that because I like it. And my bad. I thank you, God. I repent. I know my sins are forgiven. I'm still a son. Your righteousness is on me. But so is the power of your righteousness. And I'm going to change my decisions because righteousness is already in me. And by faith, I believe I am who you say I am. And I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to live like that anymore. I thank you, God. I am not only redeemed, I'm changed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So in this beatitude, when Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, I want you to see it from a new covenant perspective. What is righteousness? Righteousness is to be in right standing with God. If I could put that up there, Matt, thank you. Righteousness, to be in right standing with God, that happened at the cross. To be in right standing with self, and to be in right standing with others. Now, I, am, I start at the finish line. You start at the finish line. I am, my record is clean, I have a position, and I have the power of that righteousness. But Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. What's he talking about? In Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 to 40, a teacher, they saw that Jesus had sort of really silenced the Sadducees. and The Pharisees came together and they huddled and they said, let's ask him a question. He just dumbfounded the Sadducees. Let's see if we could get him to side with us. And they said, 
Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Verse 37. This is Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus replied. They said, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest. Now, he goes on talking. We're going to stop for a second. Let's get it in our head. The greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. And as the shepherd in this church, as your pastor, I urge you, men, I urge you, women, I urge you, young people, I urge you as families, make God number one in your life. Serve him as number one. Honor him as number one. Pursue him as number one. We pursue a lot of things. America is a blessed nation, and there are so many uh, little you know, things that we can attain. If you're a wise dad, rally your family to run after God. And if you're a wise mom, rally your children to run after God and make the things of God a priority in your life. You can't make decisions for your kids when they're grown up, but what you can do is set a precedence and set an example. And if they see you treating the things of God half-heartedly, blasé, at best they'll follow that example and maybe they'll do it even less. I urge you all, love God with all your heart. Make your time with God a premium, a priority. No, you don't have to come to church to be a Christian, but when you're a Christian, you love to come together with other Christians because we are the church. We are the church. I love coming here. I went away for four days, four days with my family, no interruptions. I loved it. They asked me for my 60th birthday, what do you want as a gift? I said, I want holiday time with my family. That, that's all I want. I love that. In all honesty, while I didn't necessarily, I wasn't chomping at the bit to get back to work, I was chomping at the bit to get back in here in the presence of the Lord and worship with all of you guys. Honestly, honestly. I love this. When we, the church, come together and we fill the house with praise and worship and the Spirit comes down, that is incredibly wonderful. How many of you agree? Absolutely. So watch this. He says, number two, and the second is like the first, but it's second. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, all of the law, Moses and the law, and all of the prophets come down. How many of you agree that if you could fulfill all the law and do everything the prophets admonished the people to do, you'd be righteous? If we could do it in the flesh. We'd be righteous. Jesus says, all of the law, everything that Moses was about and everything that Moses taught and everything that the prophets stood for is summed up in this. 
love God passionately. Passionately. Guys, are you hearing me? Men, the kingdom of God needs men who will get passionate about Jesus. I am not ashamed of who I believe in. And I am not ashamed of how passionately I believe in him. We need men to passionately love him. We need women to passionately love him. And then to love ourselves and love others. These are three universal laws. Love God with all your heart, number one. And love yourself and love others the way you love yourself. This is righteousness. It's the fulfillment of all of the law. Now remember, I am already righteous because of the Christ. I started at the finish line. Amen? We started at the finish line. I'm not preaching works. But because Jehovah Makedesh is in me, and his righteousness has become my righteousness, and because it's not just a position, and it's not just a clean rap sheet, it is also the power of a godly nature. It is the power of righteousness working in me. Now I can live this way. You see, Jesus said that when we live like this, we'll be filled. And that Greek word filled, chortadzo. Cordazzo. And it means you will be fed, you will feed, you will be fattened, you will be filled, you'll be satisfied. You will gorge from the supply food that is in abundance. You will gorge on the blessings of God. So simply put, every week I've taken a beatitude and then I've broke it down after I taught on it and put it, simply put, Simply put, this is what Jesus is saying. If you've asked Christ into your heart, you start at the finish line. Number one, your sins are forgiven. Number two, you have a position of righteousness irrespective of your day-to-day performance. That goes up and down. My position stays constant because Jesus is the title holder. Amen? But I have the power of righteousness. Now I can beat this stuff that used to hold me prisoner. I can break free. Watch this. This is what Jesus is saying. Blessed and to be envied, fortunate and supremely blessed are those who genuinely want to live in a way that shows love, honor, and respect for God and never wants to hurt him and desires to live that way both towards their fellow man and themselves. For those people, they will gorge themselves on the rich and abundant blessings that come from God. You see, the Beatitudes are attitudes. They're the best attitudes. They're mindsets that are in sync with God's heart. And Jesus said, guys, look, If you live with an attitude that says, I don't want to hurt you. If the fulfillment of the law, though I'm already the righteousness of God, 
But because that's in me, the fulfillment of the law is to love God with all my heart and to love you the way I'd love myself. If I do business with you, it's got to be a win-win-win. Our Father has to be pleased. And I've got to want you to prosper as much as I want to prosper. Could you imagine what America would be like if every business dealing was based on we want to please God and I want you to get as much out of this business transaction as I'm going to get. So there's no deceit. I'm not trying to deceive you. I'm not tricking you. I'm going to get blessed. You're going to get blessed equally and our Father's going to be pleased. Could you imagine if every transaction in America was, was on that basis? Be pretty incredible, wouldn't it? Could you imagine if in a relationship of friends, I want everything to be equally as good for you, and if I hurt you, that's not good for me either. I, I want to be true to you. I want to be honest with you. I want to bless you. But by the same token, I'm going to respect myself so you can't step on me either. And so God, Jesus, is saying, the person who hungers, famishes for a lifestyle that seeks to always be pleasing to the Father. Dad, I don't want to hurt you. You know, last night, maybe I shouldn't say it. Ever since the Holy Spirit put this series on my heart a few weeks ago in the early morning prayer meeting, God's been talking to me in my sleep. He really has. It doesn't always happen. It's, in fact, it's not common. Shh, don't tell them. But he, he actually, I woke up one morning. Before I woke up, he said to me, Rob, this area of your life, I was asleep. This area of your life where you still want to have a breakthrough, You do this, and you let these things happen to you because you're not loving yourself. And he pointed it clearly to me, and I woke up, and I went, wow. Wow. And I acknowledged it. I took accountability, and I, I, I came into agreement that I would love myself in that area, and I'm feeling a real release in that area of my life. You see? When we live life with a a lens, a perspective that says, I want to live in this world in a way that I always honor God, that I always respect Him, and I show Him great love and passion. And I want to live in a way where I love myself and do the right thing by me, but equally always do the right thing by other people I come into contact with. What a different world this would be if every person could live that way. Now, without Jesus, you can't. There's a sin nature. But when you come to Jesus, here's the good news. That sin nature was actually nailed to the Christ, to, to the cross and nailed to Christ. And the nature, Makedish, the righteousness of God, has been imputed into you. And the power of righteousness is there. You see, let's break it down and then we're going to end. What am I saying? This is what it's about. If you and I live with a motive that we're going to live in a way that loves God passionately, 
How many of you are willing to do that? Love God passionately. If we're willing to live in a way that loves God passionately and we never want to offend him and that's really constantly a conscious thought in our minds. I don't want to offend you. I don't want to disappoint you. And we live like that and we constantly live with, I never want to be unfair to someone else. I never want to hurt somebody. And if I've hurt them, I want to know it because I want to apologize. And I don't want to live in a way that's disrespectful to me either. When we honor those principles, we are honoring God because creation to him is not just creation. We are his kids. And we're part of him. And when we honor these principles, we honor him. And Jesus says, when you live with that mandate, when you live with that mindset, no, I'm not trying to become righteous. I already am. Everybody get that? You understand? I'm not trying to become righteous. I'm not telling you, do this and you'll be righteous. No, no. We've already spent our whole lives. I've spent 60 years proven. I can't do it. But I come to Jesus and there's this righteousness comes in me. And now I can do it because of Jesus Christ in me. I can do it because of the righteous nature of God in me. And the Beatitudes are mindsets, and we need to have a mindset that in life we're going to honor God, we're going to love God, we're going to be passionate for God, and we're going to love everybody else. We're going to love everyone else, and we're going to love us. And I've struggled at times with loving me. I've had no trouble forgiving other people. Sometimes I have had trouble forgiving me. And God is helping me to love me. And he started this a good 10, 15 years ago. And just last week, I wake up. No, early, yeah, this last week, I wake up and he's showing me another little area where there was a, an issue in my life because I didn't love myself well. Wow. He says, you will gorge. When this is your mindset, when you set yourself to live life passionately for him and in such a way where you won't hurt anyone else, even if they don't deserve it, because you didn't deserve it, I didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve the good things God gave us. But I'm going to love you, I'm going to love you, I'm going to love you in such a way, I'm going to make my dad proud. I want to honor you, I want to respect you, and if I've offended you, please let me know because I want to say I'm sorry church wouldn't that be radical if I do business with you you got to get as much profit out of this business deal as I'm going to get whoa win 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 God has to win your fellow man has to win and you have to win you have to love yourself too church God says when that becomes your purpose in life to live like that, he will rain down the abundant blessings and you will gorge yourself on his goodness. How many of you want to gorge? Amen. Praise God. Come on, let's stand. The Beatitudes.
Amen. They're good, aren't they? They're not mine. I'm not asking you to compliment me. They're his. They're good, aren't they? Absolutely. I am going to live, one of my goals now is to live passionately for God and not offend him. And I'm going to live to love my neighbor and love myself. That's my goal in life, to love God passionately and to love those around me and not do the wrong thing by them. That means I can't be prejudiced. I can't have racial prejudice. If you've hurt me in the past, I have to be able to let it go and say, Father, bless her. She's broken. She hasn't hurt me, by the way, for the record. But let's say Lynn here had hurt me. You know, God, the same way I want you to forgive me, I need to forgive her. She's broken like I'm broken. Not only am I going to forgive her, Father, I'm going to pray your blessings on her. Wow. Wow. I want her to prosper in life as much as I want to prosper in life. Wow. Wow. Could you imagine if a husband and wife did that? Really? Babe, why, why, why are you reacting, babe? Am I hurting you? I'm, I, forget about me trying to prove where I'm coming from or prove that I'm right. Babe, you're reacting. You look hurt. Am I hurting you? What is it you're hearing? Well, I'm here. I feel this, this, and this. I'm so sorry. Whether that's my perspective and where I'm coming from or not, that's how you're feeling. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not meaning to do that. Forgive me. I don't want it to come across to you that way. I'm sorry. This is what I do mean, and I love you. If we could have relationship with one another like that, See, if I know that I've offended Carl, it would really upset me. Because I love this man. I love him. And if I ever heard that someone had a racial attitude towards him, it would offend me. It really would. Because he's my brother. This is a good, good man. But you're a good, good person. And we have to live like this. I don't want to hurt Julie. If I foolishly said something and I didn't think properly, even if it wasn't my motive, and I offended you, tell me. I want the honor of the opportunity to say, I'm sorry. Wow. Wouldn't life be different? It would be so radically different. And this is what God is calling you and me to because we are already the righteousness of God. He won't love us if we do it. He already loves me. He won't accept me if I do it. He's already accepted me. I don't do it to maintain my position. Jesus maintains my position. Hello? Hello? So I start at the finish line. I can't get better than I already am the minute I ask Jesus in my heart. But because his righteousness is in me, now I'm going to let it work out through me. And I am going to love and hunger for righteous day-to-day -day relationship with my father, my fellow man, and myself.
How many of you want to take that on? Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name. We've all been hurt without a question. And we've also hurt. We've given hurts. I thank you, God, you don't beat us up. The devil tries to, but you don't beat us up. I thank you, God, that we start at a place where we've already won the race. Even before we start. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that you love me and you understand me and you've put up with me and yet you've loved me. I thank you. But I thank you, God, you're helping me to grow up and understand who I really am in Christ. I don't just have a new name. I don't just have a new position. I have a new nature, your nature. And I thank you, God, that from this day forward, we're going to do the best we can to live a win, win, win. Where you are always honored and pleased. Where we always honor and protect and respect our fellow man. And where we will always honor, protect, and respect ourselves. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 If you've never asked Christ into your heart, you can start at the finish line. You don't have to be good enough to ask Jesus in your heart. You just have to ask him into your heart. The Bible says every one of us are full of broken pieces. We've all sinned. Because of the broken pieces in my life previously, I sin. Because of what's miswired in me, I sin. To God, it's not the issues of keeping a record of how many sins I've got. It's the issue of he wants to rewire me and get me fixed. Isn't it cool to know that God's not keeping account of your sin? He just wants to rewire you and get you fixed. Wow, I love that. Paul, I love that. I grew up, I'm sure you did, in the Italian Pentecostal circles. You know, God's keeping a record of all these sins and you know, I got to try to be good. And we'd plead the blood of Jesus constantly, you know, get saved again. Jesus, I come to you, I ask you in my heart. <laughs> we start from a place of I'm already accepted. He can't love me more than he does right now. I'm a son. And I have the power of my Father in me. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, raise your hand right now. Come on. Be honest. Say, Pastor, I'd like to ask Jesus in my heart. Thank you. Okay? God bless you. Accepting Christ into your heart is the most beautiful thing, and it's normal. Anyone who doesn't raise their hand, I'd say 80% of them, they did what 
you just did, so don't be embarrassed. Who else would like to ask Jesus into their heart right now? Come on, put your hand up high and say, yeah, I want Christ to come into my life. Maybe you've been religious, not the same thing. Ask Jesus into your heart. Anyone else right now want to accept Christ? Can I pray with you guys? What's your name, buddy? Paolo? Pablo. God bless you. What's your name? Cynthia? Ah, Kathy's sister. Okay. Great. I want everyone to close your eyes and repeat after me. Repeat after me. Dear God, I believe you love me. And Jesus Christ, you died on that cross for me. I've made mistakes, and I've sinned. Jesus, I accept you. Come into my heart today. I need you. Forgive me of all my sins. And start to heal the brokenness in me. Father God, I call you Father because today I am your child. I receive you and I'm glad you received me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Give them a big hand. Awesome. God bless you. God bless you. Good. Have you ever done that before? No. Have you ever done that before? I think with you, I know, yes. With me once before? Okay. That's awesome. You see, sometimes we think religion's what it's about. It's not. A lot of religious people act just like everyone else and sometimes worse. It's coming into a relationship with God, realizing we're sinners and letting Jesus come in our hearts. Where's Tom? Are you here, Tom? Okay. Carlos, would you come here? I want Carlos. Would you just spend a couple of minutes with them? Orel, where's Orel? Would you come and join Carlos after church? Give them a, a Bible and a, a little bit of literature. Church, give them a big round of applause. Well, you all have been fantastic. I want you to believe that you are who God says you are. You are sons of the Most High. Don't let the devil put his garbage on you. You are not a slave to sin. You have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the righteousness of God lives in you. He has given you a new heart, a new nature. He's put a new spirit in you, his Holy Spirit. Amen. And when the devil comes to step on you, you say, back off. If anyone is stepping on anyone, I'm stepping on you because you are under my feet in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. It is an honor and a privilege to serve you in Jesus' name. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.